Those who've been with us for the last few weeks will know that uh, we've been doing uh, Jesus' story. Jesus' stories told. Stories that Jesus told. And uh, we've been doing that a little bit different way. We've been doing uh, actually telling the story from the front. Uh, I've been doing a number of them. We had uh, three people do it together a couple of weeks ago. And I did it last week. And uh, this week, Lynn Reed's going to come up and tell the story for us. Uh, if you'd like to follow on with the story, uh, it's from Luke chapter 19, verses 11 to uh, 27. Uh, Lynn's going to come up and tell it. And then I'm going to hopefully explain a bit of it for you. That'd be great. He's coming. Look, over there. See them? See the crowd? Yeah, yeah, coming. Yeah. Are you coming? You're not. Are you coming? Well, I think I'll go. I'll go and have a listen. But it's at that tax, yeah, yeah. That tax collector's place, that sinner. It's his place. Thanks. Well, they were there. That bloke was there. He told a story. He told a story. He told a story of a nobleman, a rich nobleman, who was going off to another kingdom to acquire it, to become king, to reign, to rule over that king, kingdom, to become the king. And he knew he'd be gone for a little while. So he gave some servants. He called ten servants and he gave them some money. A ten miners, nineteen thousand dollars our time, our money in our time. Three months' wages he gave to about ten servants, and he said, "Invest it, buy and sell, look after it for me, while I'm gone over there, and until I come back." So off he went, off he went, and not long after he went, some of his people grumbled and said, "Well, he's not going to rule over us, not going to rule over me." Not having that. So they sent off a delegation after him to tell him, you're not coming back here to rule over me or over us. Not having it. So off he went. Well, he did come back. He came back and he was the king. He was the king of that country. He became the king. And he called his servants that he gave the ten miners to and he said um, to the first one, how'd you get on? What'd you do with the ten miners I gave you? Here's the ten. And another ten. I was able to double it. Oh, good servant, trustworthy, faithful servant. I'm going to give you a reward. You're going to have authority over ten cities. He went to the next servant and said, how'd you get on with the ten miners I gave you? And he said, I made five. Well done. I'm going to give you authority over ten. Five. Five cities. So he went to the third one and he said, how'd you get on with yours? He's quivering in his boots and he gives back the ten. No interest. Why not? Because I knew you were hard. You reap what you don't sow. I, we plant seeds, other people plant seeds, but you take the harvest. And I knew you were a hard man. So here it is back. And he said, you wicked, wicked servant. That's not on. Why didn't you go to the bank? At least put it in the bank. 
To which he replied, nothing. Nothing. And then... So the man, the third man, who had the ten milers, he took it off him and, and said to the servants, give it to the one who's already got ten. But he's already got ten. They whinged. He's already got ten. Then this man, this noble man, but remember it was Jesus, that man that was sitting there in that house of the text, let go. he said, um, everyone who has and gets more, I'll give more. Will more be given? But for the one man who has nothing and does nothing, I'll take even away what he's got. I'll take it away. He can't have it. And so, and you know those ones that grumbled and growled, those wicked ones that don't want me to rule over them, I want you to slaughter them right here and now in front of me. Slaughter them. did very well. Uh, it's a great story, isn't it? Uh, and if you've been listening to the songs and thinking about it, you might have been starting to pick up what the story was about. Who thinks they can just tell us uh, very quickly what they think the story is about? What's the thrust of the story? It's a challenge, isn't it? Amy. That's a big part of it. Yep, that's the second half of it, that's the, and, and it is the main thrust. It's about what do we do with what we've got. Uh, it's a very important part of it. But there's also a, a first part of it that actually sets that in context. Uh, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. What's that about? Uh, if they guys flick up on the screen, you may have seen these somewhere. Jesus is coming, uh, look busy. Uh, there's T-shirts with that are on. There's also uh, caps with that on. Jesus is coming, look busy. Now, they're a little bit corny, aren't they, in one sense, uh, what those hats are about. But those hats actually are almost the truth. Uh, Jesus is coming, and it's not so much to look busy, but get busy. Uh, That's what this parable is about. This parable is about that Jesus is going to come and return, and what are we on about in the meantime? What are you and I supposed to be doing in that time between when Jesus rose from dead, went back to be his father, and when he comes again? Uh, that is the big story, that's the big point of this story and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. What are we to be on about in the meantime before Jesus comes back again? So have your Bibles open, we're going to look through that together this morning, we're going to think about that together and uh, we're going to see firstly who's who in this story. Uh, so we're going to see firstly uh, who is the king, flick down one guys, Jesus is the king. He's the ruler, he's the king in this uh, story. Uh, who, are the, who are the servants? It's us, that's right, followers of Jesus, those who follow Jesus. So got now we've got Jesus is the ruler, he's the king, we're the followers. And who are the citizens who are grumbling? Those who don't follow Jesus. So that puts it in there, doesn't it? Now as we think about who those things are, that'll help us understand as we go through the passage. And the first thing we're going to see is this passage is about that Jesus will return. Uh, who knows who that is? 
Arnie Schwarzenegger, isn't he? And uh, from the Terminator films, Terminator 1, 2 and 3. And the classic line for Arnie in that whole series is, I'll be back. Okay? Uh, those who know the Terminator films, uh, he's an alien, he comes back, or from the future comes back, and he's got to go and destroy all sorts of people and different things. It's pretty gruesome, and that's why he's got a gun. Um, and, and he destroys people, but then he has to go, but he says, I'll be back. I'm not sure that Arnie is exactly like Jesus, but there is an element of like that, isn't there, when you get to the end of the story. Uh, But that's the picture, isn't it? I'll be back. He says he'll be back and he's going to come. And that's what this story is about too, that Jesus will return. Uh, Look at verse 11 there. While they were listening to this, he went to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was near. Uh, You see, what's happening is... As Lynn said, he's just been to Zacchaeus. Uh, he's been to the uh, rich guy. He's just said that heaven is open to you now. Uh, and so, and they're on their way to Jerusalem. They're about to enter into Jerusalem. So the followers of Jesus are thinking, this, if he's the Messiah, if he's the Christ, then the kingdom of God is going to go and start, is going to happen right now, here and now. They're waiting for him to destroy everything, re-establish his kingdom. And so what Jesus does with this parable is he actually sets them straight. Because all through Luke, he's been saying that the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is upon us. And what he's saying is that Jesus actually starts the kingdom of God. He's the beginning of it. In a sense, it begins with him, but it's not going to be consummated. It's not going to be brought to fulfilment right now. It's not going to happen right now. There's going to be a gap. And that's what he says, doesn't he? So he tells this parable. He says there's going to be a gap. So he said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. You see, these guys would actually have known a bit of this story beforehand too because there was a guy called Archaeus uh, who was around just before Jesus' time and he actually had to do this. Uh, he was going to be king over Jerusalem, over that area, but he had to go to Rome and get permission from Rome to be king, to be ruler. Uh, and there were people who didn't like that. And the people didn't like that in this story too, weren't they? So he had to go off to become king and then come back. And he does that. So the people who are listening to this story, they're already twigging that this is similar to something else. So it's amazing how Jesus uses stuff around, doesn't he? He uses the context that the people are in. And so he says, I'm going to go to become king and I'm going to come back. Uh, notice that he says, I'm going to a distant land. It's going to be a long period of time. It's not going to be short. It's going to be a long period of time. Uh, And Jesus does go, doesn't he? Well, how does Jesus go? Well, Jesus goes because he goes to the cross. He dies. He pays the penalty for our sin, for the things that we have done wrong. He takes everything we've done wrong upon him on the cross. He dies. He rises again to show that he is the king. And then he goes to be with his heavenly father and he says, I'll be back. Maybe not in a... uh, Eastern, Eastern European uh, language of some sort, uh, but he, he says that, doesn't he? He says, I'm going to return. And that's the picture here, that Jesus is going to return. And so the big question here, isn't it, is what do we need to be on about? What are we on about in the meantime? See, this parable isn't talking about times and places. It's talking about what we're on about in the meantime. And you notice the Bible doesn't talk about times and places about when Jesus returns. Jesus says, I don't even know when it's going to happen. It's only in God's timing. But it does tell us what we need to be on about now. And that's what this parable is about. What you and I need to be on about now until Jesus returns. 
Now, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen today. It could happen 100 years, 200 years. Who knows? We don't know that part of it, but we do know what we need to be on about. And that's why Jesus tells this parable. Uh, and he tells it, doesn't he? He tells about uh, what's going to happen. So what are we on about while we wait? Well, that's what he says in verses 13 onwards, doesn't he? What he does, he gathers his uh, ten servants together and he calls them and he gives them uh, ten miners and he says, go and use this. Go and trade, do stuff with it. He says, get on with it. Get out there. Put this money to work. And he noticed that all the servants were entrusted with the same amount of money. There wasn't a different amount here. So this is a little bit different to Matthew's story about the talents. Uh, they were gifts, specifically he's talking about then, how to use gifts. This is slightly different. This is about something that we've all got if we follow Jesus. And so we actually think maybe this is about the ability to serve. Because we're going to see that a little bit later as well. Everyone has the ability to serve Jesus. We've all been given that option and we've all been given that opportunity and we've all been given the same to do that. We might have different gifts in doing that, but we've all been given the same ability to serve. And so this is what we're going to do. We've got to go out and serve, is what he's saying here. And King says he wants them to go out there and do stuff. He wants them to trade. He wants them to do business. He wants us to use and serve him. And then the king comes back and he does an audit on his servants. Now he doesn't do ten audits. We only see three, don't we? Because I think three get the message, doesn't it? don't need to hear the ten. We only need to hear three because three tell us what we should be on about. And he comes back and he does an audit. Have you ever, been, have you ever had an audit done on you? Uh, it's a pretty scary process, actually. Uh, last year or the year before, we had to do an audit for the chaplaincy program at the school, uh, which I, at that point in time, was uh, coordinating that. And so what we had to do for the auditor, we had to gather every bit of information. We had to bring it all together and then we'd put it before them and he'd say, no, you need more. We had to go and get more and then we had to bring it back. And then eventually, after we got all of it back, we'd get this letter of compliance here that said, yes, you've done it all. It's all been done. Signed off and you can send it in. So the king does an audit. And he does an audit on three of them. Two of them get a letter of compliance and say, well done, one doesn't. Look at what happens, verse 15 to 19. Uh, he was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your miner had earned ten more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Actually, well done, good, good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in very small matters, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your miner has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Uh, the first servant does a 1,000% increase, doesn't he? The second servant does a 500% increase and both are praised. What we are to be on about until the king returns is serve the king. That's what we're to be on about. Until the king returns, we're on about serving the king. The third servant sadly thinks that the king is way too ruthless and way too tough and uh, the actual Greek says that he wraps it up in a bit of a, a napkin and basically sticks it under his bed. He's too scared to do anything with it. The first two trusted the king and obeyed the king and were praised by the king. 
The third one didn't trust the king, disobeyed the king and was punished by the king. I think the message is pretty clear, isn't it? What we're on about while we wait for the king is to get busy for the king. You see, when you look at the Bible, there is no picture in the Bible of a stationary follower of Jesus. There is no picture of someone who says, I trust and believe in Jesus, then that is it. Sit back and take it easy. There's no picture of that. A follower of Jesus means that we're actually moving forward. We're going after, we're following and doing stuff. We're going with him. Uh, someone said to me, the difference between, the, the rut, between a rut and a grave is only the depth. As followers of Jesus, we're not to be in a rut. It doesn't matter whether you have started following Jesus, it matter whether you've been following Jesus for 50 years, there is no sense of any of us being in a rut. We're not to be stuck where we are. We are always to be moving forward. We are always to be growing with him. We're always to be looking to serve him more where we can, whatever opportunities are given to us. We're not to be stuck in ruts, no matter where we are. We need to be on about the king's business, don't we? We need to be on about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul and mind. We're on to be about loving one another as ourselves and we're on to be on about seeing others become followers of Jesus. They're the three big commands we have in the New Testament that Jesus gives us. To be on about the king is to love the Lord God with our whole heart and soul and mind, to love each other and to be seeing other people join into that. They're the three big commands promises. They're the three big commands that we have from Jesus. If you want to know what you're to be on about now, that's it guys. You see that's the only right response to the king that is going to return. What are you on about? Uh, Are you on about your things? Your career? Your family? Your fame? Your fortune, your career, your happiness, your popularity, your pleasure, your... Or are you on about the king? Are you on about using what God has given to you for his glory? Now don't get me wrong, it's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy to nut down exactly what that looks like in the day-to-day thing. Sometimes it's hard to work out where we should live and what we should do and what jobs we should have and how we should do things. Sometimes it's hard to work what that looks like, but that's where we've got to work it out, don't we? We've got to put that into practice and think that through and pray that through. But the big things are easy, guys. The big things of loving God and loving each other and loving and seeing other people, we, we know that that's what we should be on about. Then we've got to work out how does that look on the ground? How does that look out in everything that we do? In our relationships at the bowling club, in our relationships down the street, in our working environment, in where we want to be in our career, in what we want to do with our money, in how we raise our family. Those three big things are going to infiltrate all those little things. And we need to do that in community. When you want to know how to do that and what to do that, what the Bible talks about is actually gathering together to work that out. There's not much in the Bible about just sitting down and praying about it and working it out for yourself. Do you know that? Lots of decisions that are made in the Bible, they gather together. They get together as a group, as people together, and they share and they talk about and they think about how are we to do this? We're to do this in community. 
We had to make big decisions in community. That goes right against our individualistic culture, doesn't it? Right against our Australian I did it my way theme song. Do you know what? I think I've said this before. That is the most used song at funerals. I did it my way. Because in Australia we think we've got to stand up and do it ourselves and that's why we have the highest rate of suicide in any other country. That's why depression is hitting us in so many ways. That's why we are not working as a community because we don't live as a community. Because we weren't designed to do that individually. We're designed to live in community as followers of Jesus. What are we on about? What are we on about? What the king's on about. Getting busy for him. Loving God with all that we are. Loving with each other as much as we can. About seeing others join us in that, following Jesus and coming to love him and that infiltrating and impacting everything that we do. We need to be on about the king's business. And the third point of this whole story is that there is no sitting on the fence. (laughs) See? Doesn't work, does it? I just thought I'd throw that in because it was a pretty good picture I thought it was. This cow is not doing too well sitting on the fence, is it? It's not going to work. Can't go forward, can't go back. It's not going to be particularly good at all, is it? And then I saw this one as well. Uh, Sitting on the fence can only ever give you one thing, splinters. All right? And that's what this passage is saying in the end, isn't it? This says there is no sitting on the fence. Have a look over what happens to the bloke who stuck it up uh, in his hanky and stuck it underneath, uh, where he was scared and didn't want to follow. Uh, He may have had a God consciousness, but he actually in the end decided, well, I'm too scared to do anything with this. Uh, the, The king says, you wicked servant, you evil servant. That's a big call, isn't it? You might be thinking, well, that's okay, I can follow God, I know God, I believe he's there, I believe Jesus is there. But this is actually saying, if you're not putting this into action, then we're going to question whether that's really truth for you. Have you truly grasped what Jesus has done for you? Do you really know what's going to happen when the king returns? He doesn't want people on the fence, guys. There is no fence sitting with God. Because what happens to the guys who grumble, the ones who are against him? Uh, it's pretty tough. This is Terminator stuff, isn't it? Look at verse 27. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. The king says, if you're against me, you're in trouble. When Jesus returns, if you're not with me, you're going to be destroyed. Eternity without me is your destiny. That's tough stuff, isn't it? But it's challenging stuff, isn't it? There is no fence sitting with God. Don't fool yourself, guys. Don't think it's going to be okay. Don't think when I get there I'll be able to teetle off and jump to his side at that point in time. There's no fence sitting. When Jesus returns, that is it. So when Jesus returns, what are we on about? What are we on about? His business. We're on about following him living for him, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind, loving one another as best we can and seeing other people come to follow Jesus. That is what we're to be on about. Being on Jesus' side means we trust and obey. 
Being against Jesus means we don't trust and we don't obey. I'll leave you with just a couple of questions for you to go home with today to think about for yourselves. Uh, What will the audit of your life look like when Jesus returns? I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that. Would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a follower of Jesus? Will he take them off and give them to someone else or will you receive the reward? Will Will there be lots of fruit or none? Because you see... This story tells us that the king will return. If you ever get an email from Lynn Reed at any time, she was up the front, it was quite appropriate, wasn't it? Uh, Lynn Reed on the bottom of, the, of her email says, He is coming back. And you know, you might be sitting there, yeah, well, it's been a long time, hasn't it? It's been a good 2,000 years. Man, he's dragging his feet a bit at the moment, isn't he? You're thinking, well, is this going to happen? Will it happen? Oh, I don't know. Well, you know, if you can know for sure that Jesus lived, which you can know for sure, if you know for sure that Jesus died and that he rose again and that he says he's going to come back, he is coming back. Amen. So what are we on about? Get busy, guys. Get busy about the king's business. That's what we need to be on about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for this story, Lord. It's not, uh, it's not an easy story in any way. Uh, it's not just the meek and mild Jesus we have here, but it's almost the terminated Jesus we have. Uh, Lord, in one sense it's challenging and encouraging, but Lord, in one sense it's also scary as we think, Lord, what it means when you return. Uh, Lord, when you return could be the best day ever, but it could also be the scariest day, Lord. But we know, Lord, that what we need to be on about now is we need to be on about your business. But, Lord, we need to put our trust and belief in Jesus as our Saviour, as the one who has paid the penalty for our sin, and that, Lord, we now stand before you without any condemnation. But, Lord, we're not just to stand there, we're to get on with your business now, Lord. Lord, may we be known as people who love you and follow you and trust and obey and get on with being busy for you, Lord. Not that we look busy, Lord, but that we are busy for you. Lord, we pray that your spirit will do a work in our lives so that we will be people. When we stand before you, you'll say, welcome, well done, my servant.